Welcome everybody to uh, what you think is coffee in the library, <laughs> but is actually footnotes. Footnotes is a show that we conduct as biblical Christianity that allows us to sit down with pastors who have preached at Kabwata Baptist Church talking about sermons. Uh, they preached from the KPC pulpit and diving deep to pick little things that they may not have time to actually have pulled out uh, in, in, in its full perspective uh, during, the, during their preaching time because of, you know, time restrictions. I've said time a lot, so to save one time, welcome, Pastor Silale. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, in today's footnotes episode, we are discussing a sermon that you had preached on March 21st, 2020, uh-huh. uh, titled God's Inquisition, Indictment, and Ultimatum. The series of sermons is on Achan's sin. Mm. What's the full title of the series? Lessons not to be forgotten. Achan's sin, lessons not to be forgotten. That's a powerful uh, sermon yeah. series. I would recommend everybody just uh, searches for it on our KBC website, and uh, and they can they can find the sermons there. Um, you had brought out how Achan's sin was brought forward. Um, by God, not in terms of God pointing out the actual sinner, which he could have. God could easily like shine a light over yeah. Egan's house and go like, there's, there's the guy. Instead, uh, God had made the congregation find out Egan's, uh, who, the, who the culprit was. Uh, you made interesting points there. Could you just uh, open that up for us? Alright, so basically uh, I was dealing with uh, uh, Joshua and I think chapter 7, somewhere from verse 10 to about uh, verse, verse 12 there, and then dealt with verse uh, 13 to verse 15. Yeah. Now, you need to bear in mind the historical context mm-hmm. of Joshua 7 and, and the book of Joshua itself. God is dealing with the people, the nation of Israel. And in dealing with the nation of Israel, uh, there were tens of covenant agreements. Mm-hmm. And those are the bearing not only to the individual, but also to the community, because God was dealing with them as, as a community. So now, when Achan sinned, at that time, Joshua doesn't know who has sinned. And God begins a process of helping not only Joshua, but the entire community of God's people to get involved. Mm-hmm. Now, why was God doing that? Remember, the defeat at the hands of Ahai, or Hai, was brought about shame to the entire nation. So the entire nation was at the mercy, as it were, of God because of this man's sin. Now, God wanted Achan and the entire people to know that, look, we are not dealing with the leaders, but with an all-seeing God, and therefore the unity needed to be preserved. Yeah. And you see that throughout the book of Joshua. Even when you get to the end, even the, the inheritance or the sharing of the land was not because of individuals, but it was in the full view of the, the, the community of God's people. Yeah, yeah covenants are, are such a huge topic and we don't pay as much attention to them as, as we should. Um, actually, the, the family conference, reform family conference that we're having this year, at the, in the last week of August, is on the topic 
of covenants, and uh, yeah, that's a, that's something to, to look out for. Yeah. Um, that it shows that God doesn't just deal, as you said, God does not just deal with us as individuals, but also as uh, as a communal yes. group, family, church, yeah. uh, state, mm-hmm. uh, and and the like. And so, um, Achan, the particular sin that Achan had committed was was a, a theft. God said that everything should be destroyed, and Achan kept a certain uh, some choice items uh, with himself. And this was just Achan. So it's just the it's just the sin the sin of that singular individual, and yet God punished the. Um, uh, the congregation, God, God punished the the people of Israel. Uh, this sort of brought to my mind, especially as as you had brought out that God places the owners on the congregation themselves to weed out sin in their midst. This brought to mind uh, the issue of church discipline, in that God has placed a covenant body of believers um, to love, care for one another as they um, live out the Great Commission and the cultural mandate as they serve God. Um, the uh, catechism speaks of the chief end of man being to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And so um, you have a group of people who are trying, who are supposed to be doing this. And then if sin is in their midst, they have to weed it out because it hinders them uh, from 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 doing from carrying these things out. And so church discipline is re- is a requirement for a healthy church. Um, are there lessons that we can learn? Regarding church discipline, from this uh, from 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 this passage, definitely the the, the 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 Lord and the entire passage I think has to do with that because when we look at the history of Israel, we must look at it in this overarching uh, view of God that's God redemptive history. So it's dealing with with Israel in that redemptive act and the New Testament equivalent of God to be a church. Now, in the church, God brings individuals together and they form a body. And you see that when you read First uh, Corinthians uh, 12, you actually see God saying, you are a body, and as a body, that makes you to be one. Now, when you, when you think of church discipline, you are actually saying to yourself, as a people under God, We've said of covenant together, and in those covenanting together, there are certain terms that are agreed upon, and those terms are clearly stipulated in, in the scriptures. And so, one of the things that God expects of us is because we are a body, we must be watching out for one another. And as we are watching out for one another, we are lifting those who are downcast or uh, helping those who need our help. Now, when you talk of church discipline, church discipline is always viewed negatively. It's like, is this uh, vindictiveness, either from the members or from, from the leaders? But church discipline is in two ways. There's what you call formative discipline, and formative discipline is you're being exposed to the means of grace, Bible studies, uh, worship of God, the preaching of God's word, and that is molding you, uh, as Romans 12 tells us, transforming you to become like the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when you're hearing those sermons, that's a form of discipline. Mm-hmm. It's what you call formative discipline. It's the same thing you could use in a home, where a parent will tell you, don't do this, mm-hmm. or don't do that. Now that's formative discipline. 
Now, when you go against those things, that's when now corrective discipline comes in. Because now you want to correct the situation. Yeah. You are told not to do this mm -hmm. because of this and that. Now, you've gone against what you already told. Mm -hmm. Then discipline comes in. Mm -hmm. So, getting back to the church. So, I've talked about formative discipline. Now, there's corrective discipline. Mm -hmm. And as the term itself suggests, is to correct your situation. Yeah. And in the case of Achan, God had clearly said in chapter 6 and verse 18 that when you go to Jericho, destroy everything. Mm -hmm. uh, the devoted things which are, which are taught, the silver and the gold, must be brought to the Lord's house. So Achan knew, and he went against that. Yeah. So, church, dis now when we talk about corrective discipline, now it's where a person who knows what they need to do, and they go against that, then discipline comes in to correct the situation. Mm -hmm. And if I could quickly also say that in collective discipline, again, you also have two facets, as it were. Yeah. There is one aspect where there is there's an issue of public rebuke. Mm -hmm. Because a person has gone against what the scripture says, that the terms of the body, which is a church, and then the person has been shown where their sins are, and they've accepted. The verse of forgiveness of the repentant before God, and then public rebuke is there, and then public rebuke is also is also uh, helping the would-be offenders, as it were, not to go this route in case you are found that and this is what will happen. Mm -hmm. So one would apologize publicly, and it's dealt with publicly in the sense that the person is rebuked so that they don't go that route. Then there's also what you call the aspect of his communication. Now it's when someone stubbornly refuses uh, to repent of their sins. So they've been, they know what they need to do. They've been approached and admonished over it, but they stubbornly refuse to repent, or they stubbornly remain in sin. Then excommunication comes in, and then they're put out of the fellowship of God's people. And the idea really is to maintain the purity of the church mm. for the glory of God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we'll double back to the purity yeah. thing, but um, um, to, to sort of narrow in mm. on um, this discipline issue, the impression I get is that we have an incomplete understanding of discipline or, or, or an incomplete theology yeah. of discipline. Mm. You had mentioned how that the discipline, um, the, the, the aspect of discipline is both formative and corrective, and, and that is sort of uh, missing. Yes. Um, it, 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 it's, it, it's, it's, it's incomplete in that there is, the discipline comes, it's, it's both proactive and reactive. Mm -hmm. So the, the formative is the proactive yes. discipline. Mm -hmm. You are learning what you should do mm -hmm. so that everything is corrected. And Achan should have known this, yeah. in that he was raised under Moses and Joshua. Yeah. They, they had the frequent And also, if you knew what God had said, when you go into Jericho, exactly. destroy everything. Exactly. This brain. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So the, the formative discipline yes. was, was, was very clear. Was, was very clear. Uh, and then the corrective mm. discipline um, as well mm. is, is something that, that, that should be implemented. And uh, this something I had read mm. recently. Uh, about parenting, yeah. where discipline should be swift. Mm -hmm. right? yeah. Discipline should be swift because um, swift discipline is loving discipline. 
allowing the sin to continue is a problem. It's not love. Yes. Um, is it too much of a stretch to say that the ineptitude mm -hmm. that we are seeing in the church today, where we are, we are dealing with a lot of lukewarmness in the church, is because of poor application of both the formative and the corrective aspects of church discipline? Well, I think yes, probably under no. Yes, in the sense that a poor understanding of what discipline is makes makes a makes a person just shiver whenever they hear discipline. Mm -hmm. It's like because there's always this negative attitude towards discipline. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's where the problem is. Because we don't realize that there is formative and corrective discipline. Yeah. So I sit under the preaching of God's word and I'm being told I need to do this, I need to do that, and I'm struggling with that, I'm being corrected. But I think the no aspect would be the this this kind of attitude we, as you say, was sin, is largely because of sin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sin is a cause, and and even Christians find themselves in sin. Mm -hmm. Now, when you find yourself in sin, instead of applying the formative discipline by turning away from that sin mm -hmm. and making yourself to be held accountable uh, by your fellow Christians in the body, uh, which is the church, you sort of become familiar with sin mm -hmm. and therefore sin hardens your heart mm -hmm. and because sin hardens your heart you you move now from just being moved with the sin you're committing to actually now frequenting that sin you're going back over and over again and hence this attitude that you are seeing but then also uh, i think it, in churches if there's a poor understanding of this aspect then the sin, because remember sin grows. <laughs> so sin begins to grow in the life of an individual. Before long, it's in the life of the church. And before long, the entire church is being affected. Why? Because as someone has said, uh, disease is contagious, not health. Yeah. So sin is a disease. And where there's a disease, it will be contagious. It will grow before long. It will affect the entire body of Christ. And that's why when we have this view of the, the, the dynamic of the body, which is the church, then it will cause you and I to watch out for one another. So that as Hebrews 3.12 tells us, lest anyone be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And so once we appreciate this, then we begin to ask ourselves, where are those young Christians in the church that I need to look out for? Or where are those mature Christians in the church that need to look out for one another. Why? Because we have this concept of the body. And you cannot simply say, uh, it's, it's their life. God will hold you accountable because he brought that individual to be part of that body, which is the church. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, and, and that, that ties in very well with the, with the covenant aspect yes. because it's a covenant community yes. within the church. Yes. We are not... Um, we are not the difference between a, a regular community in primary school we are taught that a community and people who live and work together mm -hmm. right and uh, that implies a certain level of a social contract between mm -hmm. members of the community mm -hmm. um, but the church is a different kind of community it's a covenant covenant community, community. yes in that god has god has uh, god is the signatory on that social contract yes. it's not just the informal social contract mm -hmm. that we have within uh, within a regular body 
Uh, and, and that was something that you really uh, uh, nailed down in your message, where the church has to be responsible for the health yes. of, the, of, of the church. Yes. And, and, and this, this, this brings us to the final, uh, the final aspect, is that we, it could be modern day sensibilities, but we tend to think that discipline is not loving. Mm especially corrective discipline. So we are weak on formative mm -hmm. in that the, the information that is being given, the, the knowledge and the, what should be wisdom uh, is not, it's not structured, it's not clear, it's mm -hmm. not systematic, it's not, um, uh, it's, it, it lacks formality, it's not even informed. Mm -hmm. We are weak on the form of discipline. But on the corrective side, we think that corrective discipline is not loving. We think it at home, at the mm -hmm. level of the home, which is why home discipline is just at mm -hmm. an all-time law. And we also clearly think it in the church. Um, and uh, is, is there a, a sense in which we, um, we have changed, we have moved the bar when it comes to church discipline? Yeah. In, in that the bar now is at sexual immorality. Mm -hmm. Anything below that is not really something to, to bring forward. Mm -hmm. Bring forward in that if I know that... Uh, brother in the Lord is, is, is dealing with a certain sin, let's say laziness, mm. right? Um, this laziness is, is it's, it's sin. Mm. All sin is harmful yeah. and all sin grows, mm -hmm. as you said. It's mm -hmm. like a cancer, it festers, it, it grows. Um, in as much as that might not be an issue of, check, of, of excommunication, mm. right? But that is a sin that has to be addressed. Yeah. Um, but with our weak view of uh, sin, mm -hmm. We, 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 we tend to mess that up. And so what is, what is how, how do we understand when church discipline should be put in place? And, and here we're, we're framing it within the sense of church discipline is both formative and corrective. So what's the, how do we understand things so that we look at our relations with our brothers and sisters in the church and think this is something that has to be addressed? Yeah. So... The principle in Matthew 18, although Matthew 18 verse 15 to 18 says, if your brother sins against you, mm -hmm. go show them their sin. When they've, they've, they've agreed you've won a brother, if they don't bring in a witness and take it to the church. Mm -hmm. Now, that's the same principle we must use. So it's not just when you've sinned, but also if I've seen something wrong or a sinful trait in a brother, I must go show them their sin. So even if it's not against me, yes. Matthew 18 is the yes. Okay. yes, because Matthew 18 primarily it's if, if they have sinned against, but there's a principle there, and the principle is that of helping one another. Mm. So, uh, you've seen a brother is, is lazy, mm. and that laziness is affecting a number of areas of his life. Uh, maybe in his, his school input, or... Uh, is is output at work because you know that one as it grows eventually maybe if it's at work they'll be fired and then the entire family will suffer because of his laziness. Go show them their sin. Say brother, this is my concern. Laziness unable to show this and that and that. Mm -hmm. At that point it's formative. You are trying to help a brother see from the scriptures that this is sin. Mm -hmm. You can even tell them to Proverbs 6 where Solomon, the Bible says Go to the to go and look at the aunt or you slugger. Mm -hmm. Now, if the brother at that point still think, ah, no, I'm not lazy, what, what, and all those things, bring in someone else as a witness because at that point you are concerned. Remember, he's your brother or a sister in Christ. You are concerned. 
you bring in a, a witness, maybe a person you both hold in high regard, or even even a church elder or mature Christians, and say, look, this is a brother's, this is my concern over here, laziness. Now, if the two of you establish that truly this is laziness, and the brother still doesn't uh, seem to agree or doesn't say this is a problem, this is a sin he's facing, that's why instead take it to the church. It, it's, it's, it, in, in my understanding of that is that really they're church leaders mm -hmm. because you don't just take things to the church. Yeah. In Sunday morning, say, yeah, but I need to no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You take it to the church. Yeah. And then the elder at that point, they'll try and help the person. Yeah. And if the person doesn't, that's when a corrective discipline comes in because at that time, corrective discipline is now to deal, correct the situation. Yeah. It's no longer because they've already been formative yeah. and you go in. Yeah. And, and, and we do this because sin is harmful. Yes. So, is, is all sin, two parts, is all sin equally harmful? Um, and that, that, would be, yeah. that, that would be number one. Yeah. And if not, if not, if all sin is not equally harmful, um, are the lesser sins still harmful? Yeah, you see. Uh, yeah, how yeah. would you define lesser sins? Yes, for me, there's nothing like lesser sin. Mm -hmm. sin. Sin is sin, mm -hmm. sin is heinous. Mm -hmm. Sin is an insult and an injury to God's whole character. Mm -hmm. And so, there, there, because of our view of sin, there are certain sins we deem as less harmful. Yeah. So, I mean, I told a lie. What's yeah. a big deal? Yeah, no one's hurt. Yeah. yeah. But because, you see, sin grows. That lie can lead to something else. Mm -hmm. And before long, it will not just be you, it will be an entire community of God's people being affected. Yeah. So, the reason why we must deal with sin is because sin is harmful, whatever sin it is, whatever form, mm -hmm. and that sin grows. Now the problem, when we think of, uh, the, in our human understanding, we peg sexual immorality as a sin. Now of course, uh, we probably sincerely so because of the complexity of uh, of sexual sin. In that there's there the, the people involved and there's an act of undressing and mm. all those things. Yeah. So we peg it as I see. Yeah. Now, to me that's not the highest sin because we need to say maybe what led to that to sexual morality could be something else. Mm -hmm. Could be the sin of lust. Could be the sin of covetousness. Mm -hmm. Could be the sin of the love of money. So you see, it's, it's building up to that that thing. So if we had dealt with lust in this person, yeah. the world would not have gotten got into it. Yeah. 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 But we tend to look at sexual sin and just say, no, that's the highest sin. Yeah. No. Sin is sin. Yeah. Yeah. And we need to deal with it. Yeah. Now, uh, if I could say this to whoever is listening, is that those small sins are entertaining. They are deemed, they must be looked at from the angle of God. Mm -hmm. And the example I could give is Lord's wife. The sin was just that she looked back. Yeah. And the Bible says that she became a pillar of salt. Yeah. Now that look revealed firstly proud and belief mm -hmm. in her heart. She, she was just like saying, whatever God has said, I don't think God will do it. I mean, can God destroy Sodom? Sure. But it also revealed the love of the world in Lord's wife. But, it, but in, our, in our assessment, it was a small thing. But 
The reason why you must take sin seriously is because God has said it's sin. And therefore, God who sees the heart and the root of that sin is one who says, deal with it. And so, as a church, we must look at sin and deal with it with the seriousness it deserves. Mm. Because sin eventually grows. A boy who is a bully or a boy who fights and beats others, it will be a teenager or a young man who is on the streets killing for money. A boy who is entertaining lust or a person entertaining lust, rude to, to pornography and all those kind of things, he will be a teenager or a young man raping people in the streets. So sin must be dealt with. Yeah. And more so in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is supposed to be the, the light and the salt, the pillar of truth, must take sin seriously and deal with it with the seriousness it deserves for the glory of God and for the good of the church. Yeah, yeah. Um, when, when I was hearing the message uh, as we were preaching it, the thoughts were just, like my mind was racing, thinking through a number of things. Um, and it all just came right down to the fact that it, when we don't take sin seriously, it's like it's, it's it's unbelief in what God says things are. Yes. Um, we would not allow most of us would not allow disease to fester in our bodies. No. A simple headache, and we are taking pills to, yeah. to, to get rid of the headache because doctor's appointment. Yeah. yeah. We're still if you've got like a gangrene or a yeah. cancer, you yeah. want it gone immediately. Now the body of Christ, who you say you love, yeah. the bride of Christ. Mm. If, if you know sin is a cancer, would you be okay saying, ah, sorry, I, know his, I know my fellow church member is living in sin. A sin of any sort, <laughs> right? I know there's a problem there, and you're allowing it to fester. What does that communicate about your love of the bride of Christ? Yeah, which, which is really an indictment to us as Christians. Because if we say Christ is the object of my love, he saved me from my sins. And then I say, look, I don't want to, to live on your terms. It's like a husband and a wife, <laughs> they get married and then the wife says, look, I'll live on my terms. Yet I, I love you with all my heart. There's it, just something that's not right there. So we need to be biblical and look at what the scripture says. And if I'm part of God's people and all of us is that we are marching to Zion. We will not want to see the fortunes of Zion reduce. But then also, if we are marching to Zion, I would want to pull those who are lagging behind so that together we march to Zion. And as a, as a body of God's people, we will be a picture of the triumphs of God's grace in the world as we live. Imagine 200, 300 members of a church every day living their lives in Christ-likeness. The impact is going to have in Osaka. That's a transformed society. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The impact is going to have at school, uh, in the community, yeah. at work, yeah. in a marriage. Yeah. The impact is going to have. Yeah. And my plea, my plea is this. Christians, we need to be each other's keepers. 
older men, older women, watch out for the younger women and the younger men in the community. I know what it is to be a young man working from being broke to having a lot of money. And no one is telling you what to do with it. All you know is, okay, let me give you, a, let me give a tenth. But even then, I, I would debate whether I should Neto give now or yeah, yeah, net or gross or now or later. And I know what it is. Yeah, I know what it is to have money, walk in a shop, and feel like I can buy the whole shop. Now, you only realize the the desires of your heart, some of which may not even be <laughs> righteous desire mm. when you have money. When you are broke, you may be so holy. Now, there are those mature Christians that have gone through that. That you must watch out for those that are coming up in their, in their lives with all these aspirations and desires. Watch out for those guys getting married. You know, the, the first years of, the, in fact, they say the under five years of marriage are the formative. So there's a lot of adjustment. The quarrels are necessary things because two people are now living together. And for them, that's new. And they're really struggling. Mm -hmm. You look at them when you're like, yeah, no, <laughs> I've been there. Mm -hmm. I know what to advise. Mm -hmm. It's the same when it comes to the serious, when taking things, the gospel serious. Help. And if we're not doing that, it is what now culminates into us having this low view of church discipline. And when the church leaders are now saying we're excommunicating or we're bringing this name for excommunication or bringing this individual for public rebuke, those of us who are seated will be thinking we're more loving than God who says we must do it. Mm. How can anyone think that they're more loving than God? Yeah. Who says, deal with this, is it first Corinthians? Yeah. Little loving, mm. loving is the whole yeah. door. Now we should take uh, take sin a lot more seriously uh, than than we do. Ekan is just such a brilliant example because God caused them to lose a battle. Yes. Because of some jewelry and clothing. Yeah, and imagine not, just, not, not, just a cloth. Yes, yeah, not, not not even enough to like fill uh, a vault of a bank. No, just that little. Babylonish garment. Yes, God God takes sin uh, that seriously. Uh, so uh, thank you very much for tuning in for our uh, footnotes episode. This has been um, a reflection on Pastor Sivale's message that was preached on the 21st of March 2021, uh, titled God's Inquisition, Indictment, and Ultimatum. We hope you'll be able to um, you know, uh, listen to it or watch it on whichever biblical Christianity platform you may find. And then if you have enjoyed the show, please share it with somebody who you think will benefit from it. It is our desire that we will have a healthy church um, throughout, a church that is able to serve God in the communities and what God requires of them. And uh, if you really like it, give a thumbs up or a five-star rating or whatever you can, wherever you are. Thank you very much. We shall see you next time.